Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 24. And find verse 35. Thank you, Minister Micah. Greetings to my friend, Pastor Brian Gibson online. You're a champion. And we esteem you highly and we're honored that you're with us tonight. Luke 24, verse 35. New King James. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and he said to them, Peace to you. They were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen his spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handled me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Verse 40. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still, they did not believe for joy and marveled. He said to them, Have you any food here? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and he ate it in their presence. I'm pretty sure that ended the argument of whether it was the Spirit or not. Verse 44, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. What a great prayer. God, open our understanding that we might comprehend the Scriptures. Verse 46. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Read verse 49 in whatever version you have and read it from your heart. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. God, come and do what you love to do. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I remember first going to church, it wasn't this one, but I was going to another church many, many years ago. And I went in all honesty, and it was before I met the most beautiful woman in the world, Pastor Karen. 
And honestly, I, I might have I mumbled the prayer, you know, the sinner's prayer, but I was going to church to hook up. And um, there are people that go to church to hook up. So I was going to this church, and um, my mother said, you know, you, you need to come to this Saturday night Kula service. And uh, there was a place called Kula. It's still there. It's still one of our buildings, one of our 300 different extensions. It's at about 2,000 feet in elevation on the island of Maui. And she said, you need to come. And I had begun a life of, uh, I mean, I started compromising. I, I wasn't serving God with all my heart by any means. And I, although I had gone to our church in 1992, I was, I was not right. Like I said, I was going to this other church in Kihei. To, um, I, I thought they had pretty girls there. Just saying. And... Um, and so I started, comp- I started having some compromise in my life, and um, I realized I was on the way to, also to a, a, a backslide. I was already backslidden, but I was slowly descending. But I was never, I don't even know sure if I was saved, actually, at that point. And so my mother said, you know, you need to, you need to come to church on Saturday night. And you know how moms can be persuasive. <laughs> and uh, plus, I think I was living at home, so, you know, you don't go to church, you're not going to eat. And so, so I, I went, and um, I remember sitting, I could tell you, I could show you the seat where I sat. I remember the message that was preached, and um, it was on the book of Nehemiah, and it was about rebuilding the walls of our lives, and how the walls of of God's word are broken down in our nation and how walls provide protection and how walls are so important. And it's still true today. Very relevant book for the hour in which we live, the book of Nehemiah. It's a book of reformation. I could just start preaching on it right now because it moves me. We need a reformation. We need the walls rebuilt. We need an awakening. We need people to turn back. We need people to be set on fire. And, and um, so he's preaching, the Dr. Morocco preaching, and... Um, he got to the end of the message, and, and he said something like, if you want the power of God, come to the front. Now, I don't recall ever really hearing an altar call like that before. In fact, the church I was in didn't have altar calls. And, um, and I was hardly going to that one anyway. So I sat there, and it made me so angry I, it was just one of those things. Does, does anybody, if, you're not, if you haven't been really angry in church lately, just stick around for the end of the message today. Listen, God wants to put his finger on things. He, he, and it's, it's wonderful to find yourself responding that way because that would be an indication that you have a problem, you need to get healed, you need to get forgiven, you need to get, you need to get set free. All right. So I started getting angry, and what I was angry about was I realized I'm, I'm not right with God. And uh, if you want the power of God. And I sat there and I thought, power of God. What is that? Thinking led and, you know, if you need to recommit your life to the Lord, I'm thinking, well, for sure, definitely. So, Lord, forgive me. And I I prayed. I didn't go up front. I didn't do any of that at that time. I prayed that prayer, repented, gave my life to Jesus. How many remember when you first gave your life to Jesus? 
How do you remember when you were convicted and you realized, oh my gosh, I'm separated from God, I need the Lord. You, you might have come into this place and by the end of tonight, you'll have an opportunity to get right with God. And that's what we're all about. We're all about souls. We're all about setting the captives free. We're getting people healed and whole, bringing the kingdom of God. Come on, there's hope for you. I said, there's hope for you. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what pit you've fallen in, but whatever pit you've fallen in, God is deeper still, and he's able to help you, able to heal you, able to set you free, able to touch your marriage, heal your kids, touch your dog, touch your cat. Come on, he can do anything. God can do anything. Come on, say, God can do anything. God, yeah, and he, and he not only can, he wants to. So I prayed, recommitted my life to the Lord, and then the altar call was, if you want the power of God, come down front. And I, it kept going over and over in my heart, if you want the power of God. Power of God, what is that? I'm pretty sure I don't have that. I'm pretty sure, because I started, I was being seduced by Bud Dummer. I was being seduced by the things of the world. Bud Dummer's another way of saying Bud Wiser, but Bud is not wiser, Bud is dumber. Just in case you missed what I'm saying. So I'm being lured down the primrose path. I'm on my way. And I knew I was on my way because I don't have power. That stuff had power over me. And I was being lured in. It was like I was on a hook, just being pulled in. And I sat there and I think, power God, power God. I'm pretty sure I don't have that. Power God, if I run to power God, power God. Bunch of religious nut jobs. And I, I don't, I'm thinking to myself, what power? I don't see any power. I don't have any power of God. I certainly don't have any power. And he said, so if you want the power of God, come down front. And so I thought to myself, all right. You got power? This, I'm telling you, I don't advise you do what I did. I don't. I started mouthing off and talking trash to God. So I said, hey, you got, you got power? You got power? My mom's there. She's like, my mom's praying. I'm like, okay. I get up, and I get up, and I said, I said to the Lord of my heart, bring it. You got it? Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. And I started, I walked down into the aisle, started walking down the aisle, and the closer I got to the front, the more angry I got. I just started thinking, you got power? You got power, what kind of power you got? Oh, you got power, ooh, you got power. And I just kept walking down, and I did what I, I, I wasn't a brawler back in the world, and I wasn't a fighter, but God help you if I ever did get in a fight. It was kind of like that. I, in fact, I had a demon of rage, if you really want to know. And then if that thing got lit, didn't matter who was there, because everybody would be laying down, and then I would come out of it eventually. It was not good. Some of you know people like that. Maybe that's you. If you've come tonight, you have a demon of rage. You've come to the right place. I started walking down, and I, I got about three rows from the front. I'm almost to the altar, you know, almost in this area. And I said, all right, then. Hit me, then. Come on. Give me your best shot. And I tapped my chin like that. You ever seen that, that thing? Go ahead. You want, you want to fight? Well, you hit me first. And as I walked down, I got to the front. People are raising their hands. I'm like, And a pastor was coming from, it's Pastor Albert Kamau. He's still on our staff. Dr. Morocco is still up. It wasn't even the main guy. It was just one of these other guys. He gets next to me. He's praying for me. And all I know is like, it's like I got knocked out by a heaven. A heavenly angel just straight punched me in the spirit. Now I flew back and landed three rows back. So that's, this is one row, this is two, 
This is three. I was in this vicinity from the front. And I'm on my back, and my response is, oh, you got it, I love you, God. Ah, you got the power, God. I'm ah, sorry, God, oh, God, oh, God. And I realized, I realized, I re- I'm going to turn this into Luke 24 in a second. I realized that he had what I was looking for all of my long life. I had longed to experience the love and power to set me free from the yoke of sin and death. I longed to experience God's power. Then I didn't even know it. There was a part of me and there's a part of you that longs to experience real power. Not some religious mumbo jumbo or some hype or some whooped up thing from some guy who's screaming and running across the top of the pews. I mean, really. Now, you might see that. But I mean a real touch from God that changes you. Think about my wife, Pastor Karen. We missionary dated for a while, which is never a good idea, but it worked for us. God was merciful. I brought her to church. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown was preaching that night. It's the first church she ever went to, first service she'd ever been to, ever. We sat in some strange place that I would never sit in. In fact, I hardly would ever sit in there after since then. All the way to the you know what? How many of you like your little favorite spot that you go to? Some of you move around and try to confuse me, but it's not working. Because God has not given us a spirit of confusion, but of power, love, and sound mind. So, for whatever reason, we sat all the way in this section we never sit in. I don't like I was trying to hide. I was hiding. <laughs> and. He got up to preach, and he preached the gospel right away. I mean, right away, Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected. If you're not right with God, he did an altar call right from the start. And he gave an altar call right in the front. And Pastor Karen's hand, her hand just went up. And she, and she seemed to, like, look at Now, this is how I remember it. She seemed to, like, look at her own hand, like, imagine that. My hand just went up. It was almost like she didn't even do it herself. And then she got up and went. And I didn't go with her. She went by herself. And she went to the front. Now, and, and what I recall is that not one person had fallen out in the spirit. Do you know what that means? That means when God hits you, touches you in such a profound way, you find yourself in, the, in a posture that you weren't in before that. And that could be, you know, on the ground or on the floor or on your knees or whatever. And somebody said, I don't, I don't believe in that. Well, if you get touched by 223 phase, you're going to get electrocuted. I didn't believe it either till I mouthed off, which I would suggest you don't do. I do suggest that you understand from Scripture that God has power, and he wants to re- release it upon you to overcome darkness and sin, to empower you, to enable you, sickness and disease, to use you as a trophy of his grace, to use you with his power flowing through you. Can you say Amen. So Pastor Karen went up to the front. She prayed the sinner's prayer and then just buckled and went out. She just went out on the ground. She's like, oh, my, I wonder what happened. <laughs> she got up. Yeah, she didn't know what happened. It was like, whoa, what was that? And she got up, and they took her out to the prayer garden and counseled her. And uh, she began to grow in the things of God, and we just kept coming to church. I remember uh, years ago, it's probably 10 years ago, we had a lady come to the church and she came because her neighbor wanted her to come. And the neighbor said, oh, 
They got the power of God at that church. You need to go there. And so sat through the whole service towards the end, all the way in the back section, said to me, uh, so I have this relationship with this man who's really abusive, and uh, would you pray for me? And I've got I've to sever it. I've got to stop it. I've got to get right with God. I said, okay, so why don't you get right with God? And this is after the service. So she prayed. She received the Lord. And then I said, now listen, uh, there's like an attachment to you. You mind if I just kind of break that off? She goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I, it's probably because you guys have been together, right? Oh, yeah. I said, okay, well, why don't we just break that and then just let God's power touch you? Would that be all right? She goes, oh, yeah, I don't want any part of him. I said, okay. I said, well, let me pray. So she closed her eyes, bowed her head respectfully. I prayed a specific way of breaking off demonic power and soul ties over her, and it was like you heard something break, and she hit the ground, and a string of curses came out of her. What the, what, what was that? I said, no, no, it's okay. She said, oh, my, uh, and she said, how many of you know when somebody's just straight cursing in church, somebody, something really happened? You know what I mean? She didn't just fall out and go, oh, hallelujah. This is like somebody who doesn't know God. They're like, what the F-bomb, F-bomb, F-bomb. I, I saw another guy, another guy, a friend of ours, come to the front. I think Clady Keith was preaching. How many of you know who that is? And I told, the, I told this business owner, very successful guy, I said, get to the front, man. You need prayer. Let him touch. You need the power. Everybody say the power. He said, well, I don't know about all that power stuff. I said, well, go on, go on, go get prayer from Clady. He walked to the front. The power of God Cleddy didn't even lay hands on him. Hit, same thing, two, three rows back on his back, like, what was that? What was that? And he got up off the ground, and he said to me, that guy's got dope in his hands. That's what he said. He said, there's some dope in his hands. And he, like, he wanted to go look. He, like, fight. you know, he's one of those guys, like, really wanted to see. What, what, does he have this, something in his hands? It's like when he reached his hands out, some mist came out or something. He's like, no, he's got dope in his hands. I said, he doesn't have dope in his hands. That's the power of God. He says, well, it's the power of something. I don't know what that was, man. What was that? That freaked me out, man. I couldn't stand. My legs went out. What was that? Everybody say power. God has power. And I will just tell you that I, for one, am never going back to spineless, jellyfish, lackadaisical, apathetic, powerless Christianity. I can't. I can't. I won't. It didn't help me long ago when I was looking for girls at some other place. God bless them. I'm going to tell you, the power of God touched me, changed me. You want to know why we are as crazy as we are here at King's? It's because the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. My brother John was listening. He was so real and such a blessing to me. And if you're on right now, I love you, John. And my brother Chris is on right now, and he's driving up the Alcan. I think he's begun his drive, actually, today. And uh, my brother John was impacted by one of the messages that came forth from this place. He said, you know, but you do get a little bit preachery for me. It is like when you scamper off and, like, get all excited and stuff. I don't know about all that. But, but, but man, the word, holy smokes. <laughs> Uh, so if you find us scampering, <laughs> come on, somebody say the power. The power. All right, this is, a, this is a powerful text of Scripture. Verse 49, I had you read it. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. Yeah. I'm send you. If, you don't have, if you don't have power in your house and you can't, don't have any lights, 
And if you, don't have, if you don't have power in buildings, you know, those electric faucets don't work and those, those automated hand-drying devices don't work and the automatic paper towel dispensers don't work and you don't have power in your car, your car doesn't work. If you don't have, if you don't have power of God in your life, it is very hard to live. God does not expect you to live for him without him enabling you to do it. You don't have to be in some white knuckle. And if you are in some white knuckle experience, hoping and praying that you're just going to make it, there are moments like that. There are Gethsemane moments like that. But there's resurrection power working on the inside. And God's plan for you, God's plan for me, God's plan for us, God's plan for the church is that the power of God would be put on display in such a way that people that know you would say, you must have dope in your hands. <laughs> that the power of God would be put on display in such a way they'd be like, what the? That the power of God, for those that are more civilized, the power of God would be put on display through you that people would stand in awe and say, there has got to be a God because there's no way that you could have done what you did, that you can be the way that you are, that you can be so happy in the midst of that, that you could overcome all of those difficulties, or that you could be still be smiling when all of that has happened. There must you have something. I got the power of... I'm not, I'm not sure who's saying it. It's like Sister Sledge or something. I, I'm not sure they were talking about the power of God. Come on, lift your hands to heaven and say, I got the power. I got the power. I got the power. Come on, try it again. Man, I think I feel the Holy Ghost now. I'm going to start scampering any minute now. Let's look at this text. I'm not sure where that came from. It must be all the rap that Pastor Karen listens to at home. It's just getting up in my spirit. Amen? Okay, let's look at this text. Jesus appeared to his disciples. He shows them his hands and his feet, and they're still freaked out. They still don't know what's happened. They still can't figure out that he's re resurrected. And I mean, they're, they're, they're freaked out. In fact, they think it's a ghost. And he explains to them, you know, well, I don't think he said that. But, but he's... <laughs> He gives. I love you. I love you, Joel. <laughs> he gets a piece of broiled salmon. All right, I'm not sure it's salmon, but anyway, he gets a piece of broiled fish and he gets some some honeycomb, and he eats it. And at that, they're like, "Huh?" They're they're, they're more convinced. He opens their minds. Look at verse 45. And he opened 
their understanding. He opened their minds. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. You know, the, the Scriptures are veiled many times. And if you want revelation, He'll give it to you. The secret of the Lord He confines with those who fear Him, says Proverbs. And I just think that they had a heavenly download of the fear of the Lord when they had this Jesus eat some honeycomb and some broiled fish, and they said, oh, snap, it's him. And he opened their minds. And wouldn't I have loved to have been in that Bible study? Can you imagine being in that? Can you imagine being in that life group? Woo, teach me some more, Jesus. And he, and he just gave them, it's like they're, they're walking on the road to Emmaus, and he opened their understanding, and he taught them from Genesis all the way. You, you can't miss the incredible revelation that God has when you hunger and you thirst for him and you have the fear of the Lord, he'll give it to you. Come on, say, God, say, God, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Yeah, and if you're real sincere about that, he will. You know, revelation is not so that you can wow somebody at the Starbucks or the coffee shop or the, you know, so that you, you know some great revelation, so that you can be held in higher esteem before your friends. Revelation causes revolution. Revelation in your life will cause you to be more like Jesus. Revelation in your life will release a greater endowment of power, will release greater favor, will unlock things for you. Revelation is for us. And our children, it's for us to know the things of the Spirit of God. He spoke in parables. Why? Why did he talk in parables? I'm like, Jesus, can't you just tell us plainly? No, I'm going to tell you in parables, he says. And the reason he spoke in parables is to hide truth from those who really don't care. And he said, but to you, I'll make it plain. He hides truth from casual observers. Don't be a, Listen, Christianity is not a spectator sport. You get hungry. You get thirsty. A part of the, the role that I have here is to preach you hungry and get you desperate. And if you'll show up to church hungry and thirsty, I'm telling you, we'll have twice the move of God that we already have. If you'd meet with him in the morning and ask God to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, he'll, he'll open your eyes. And he gives them, look at verse 47, he gives them a vision about what they're going to be doing. Verse 47 Well, 46, and he said to them, thus it is written, thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, verse 47, and that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached. Should be what? Preached in his name to all nations. He didn't say that we should preach leadership. He didn't say that we should give donkey rides. He didn't say that we should have some powerless program that, that builds man's ego. He, he, he said that we should preach Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. Remission of sins. Repentance and remission. It's forgiveness of sins. Do you know that's what they were supposed to do? Guess what you're supposed to do? The same thing. Everybody say, I'm supposed to do the same thing. I, I'm, he said, well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not an evangelist like John. I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a pastor. Like well, You don't have to. You just be you. But understand that through you sharing the, what God's done, through you, your kind words and your kind actions and the gift of hospitality and your prayer and, and you, through you just being a, a trophy of God's grace, that it, it actually releases God's power and love upon people that they, they wouldn't have experienced that had, had you not just been open. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be an event. Just be you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I was a preacher long before they called me a preacher. Why? Because I couldn't help myself. 
What is that job? And like telling people about the Lord. Same with Pastor Karen. Just naturally out of my life was flowing. The, the, the fragrance of somebody was dead and now he's alive. That's, that's what's to happen. When you see Jesus and he opens your mind and he gives you revelation, you can't help but talk about how great he is. You can't help but talk about how he set you free. You can't help but talk about how you were dead, but now you're alive. How you were lost and now you're found. How you were blind, but now you see. It won't even be something literally to go through like, you know, evangelism explosion and take all the notes. You need to have an explosion of power that'll bring evangelism. That's what I think. And evangelism explosion is great. Written by Kennedy, I think. He gives them a vision about what they're supposed to do. All of us, all of us have been given a vision to witness of his grace. That's every single person. How? However means and by any means you can. Wow. It reminds me of Matthew 24, 14. And you can turn there because it should be underlined in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible you can underline in, then just put that up on a shelf as some little trophy or something and get one that you can write in. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel, gospel means good news. This good news, the good news of the kingdom. What good news is that? That you don't have to be poor no more, broke no more, addicted no more. You don't have to be under sin's power and pressure anymore. You can be free. You can be delivered. You can be healed. You, come on, good, good news. Brokenhearted, don't have to be that anymore. Healing to the brokenhearted, recovery of sight to the blind. Matthew 24, 14, and there's good news of the kingdom, gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. I do know that we are closer to the end than when we first believed. But the key of this passage and the key for tonight is verse 49. Go there and underline this one also. Behold. I just like the way that sounds. Behold. Behold. I send the promise of my Father upon you. What is that? The promise of my Father. But tarry, or understand what that means, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Hmm. Everybody say, wait until you get the power. I'm going to send my, what my father's promised, stay until you're clothed with power. I think the NIV says, and I like that, being clothed with power. In your life as a believer, I want you to know that it is an unbiblical thing to not have, listen closely, it's an unbiblical thing to not have in your life power. It's an unbiblical thing to be able to explain everything in your life. Do you, you know, you, you, there's a dimension of the unexplainable. Like, how did that happen? I'm not quite sure. God, I guess. God. How did you end up on the floor? I don't know. Maybe that guy had dope in his hands or, or maybe... Maybe it was maybe it was God's power. I was talking with my beautiful wife, and um, 
we were just reflecting on how God has led us all these years and how he still leads us. And it is, I start, it's so normal uh, for us now all these decades later. But I realize that many believers, many Christians don't live their life that way. They, 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 they just decide, well, I'm just going to go to Anchorage because I need to go to the store. And, and I, I think that could be fine. I mean, you need to go to this. Well, you're not going to the store in Anchorage because they close it, I guess, or whatever. I don't know. Jesus, help them. <laughs> you make a decision, you're going to go somewhere because you want to. And, and it's absolutely true that the, the Word of God says that God calls us to will and act according to his good purpose. So he does put desires in your heart. And there's, you know, some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And some people are so earthly minded that they're probably not even saved. You have to be led by the Spirit, but one of the things, the when we make decisions, like there's things on our heart, so I had a desire to do something tomorrow, but I, but I can't find peace in it. So, so guess what? Up to this point, unless things change, deal's off. And so we're, I'm can, we're canceled. I'm canceled with that. I was going to go do something, and I'm not, I'm not doing that. Why not? Because I just can't see it happening. I can't. It's, it's not there. So what are you doing? I'm not doing that. Well, there's a lot of other things to do, a countless laundry list, endless things to do. It's the leading of the Holy Spirit. Do you, know, do you know when I'm praying and I start getting names and faces, do you know that it's 95%, I, I don't know, I, I could almost say 100, but I don't want to be presumptuous. It's possible it's not always God, but I want to say that 95% of the time when I'm praying and people's minds are coming, people's hearts and names and faces are coming to my mind, it's, it's 95% of the time the Lord. And when I respond and I call and I text frequently, like every week, I hear, oh, how, Pastor, how come, wow, how come you called me right now? Oh, the Holy, and, I, and I'll just tell them, oh, God spoke to me to call you. How did God speak to me? I'm praying, I see their face. That's God speaking to me. See, some of you think like it's got to be a, and then the angel comes down, it's like, The Lord spoke to me with that text. I wasn't going to share that scripture. I just felt like, well, you know, the, you know, opening the doors of the temple. I felt like, this is good. Lord, what are you saying? Remember a message I preached on that? Remember Hezekiah, revival? Lord, open the doors of churches. Then I'm just sort of pondering that. God, you want to do something a little bit deeper? Should I share that? Or Minister Barry, hey, do you want the doors open? I'm like, yeah, yeah, the Lord. Thanks, Lord. You say, is it, is it honestly like that? Yeah, it is. Some, some, of you don't, some of you don't understand it. I don't understand it. He's so, he knows how to speak to you. How he speaks to me is not necessarily how he speaks to you. You've got you to gotta hear how he speaks to you. Stay in the city until you're clothed with power. There's got to be a demonstration of the unexplainable life of God in your story. And if that is not the case then you need to check yourself. Don't create some theological premise that tongues and the power of the Holy Ghost doesn't, doesn't exist because you don't have any. Because you have no power. I'm going to tell you, there's a whole bunch of theologians that have formulated ideas based on their experience. Don't ever take your experience and make God's Word fit it. Your experience must fit his word. It's not the other way around. You've got you to look in your life, and if you see, well, I don't have that, well, guess what? Get hungry and get some. Come on, somebody say, get some. get some. You need to get yourself some. You need to press in and get hungry. Don't make a theological understanding. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. Tongues, things, this tongues, it's just tongues. It's not, 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 for, not for us right now. 
Why? Because you don't pray in tongues this way? Well, maybe if you got the pornographic problem out of your life, you might be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> All right. Turn to Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. All right, that wasn't for everybody. I know that everybody has a porn problem, but some of you do. And if you do, you can be set free. Amen. Okay. He's not talking about me, praise God. He's not talking about me. <laughs> Acts 1 and 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart to Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, quote, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. King James mixed with the NIV. Acts 1.8. But you will receive, I'm sorry, what? You'll receive what? Power. Dunamis is the Greek word. Dunamis. It's a root word for dynamite. You'll receive heavenly dynamite. Do you have heavenly dynamite? You'll receive power and the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You know, the root word of witness is the same root word for martyr. Martyr, yeah, martyr. Because <laughs> sometimes when you're witnessing, you actually might end up being a martyr. But, it, but actually the truth also is when you're witnessing, you'll have people that don't like you so much. I've shared many stories, being spit in the face and all kinds of things that have happened to me when I've witnessed. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 1-8, Acts 1-8. And you'll be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. This text here, Luke 24, is fulfilled in the book of Acts. And I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey and share some of these scriptures with you. I did not give you notes tonight, but I'd encourage you to to write them down. And even more than that, I would to God that he would come with his own finger and write it on the tablet of your heart, that you would understand that you need power. You need power. I told this story I'm getting away about. Acts 2, I think. Go to Acts 2. Uh, I, I had a privilege of preaching uh, to a, a camera today, uh, just a camera and about three people and I taught a class on deliverance. And uh, we have lots of experience with deliverance because, uh, because Pastor Karen needed it so badly, and <laughs> as did I. <laughs> we, we came to the game with a whole bunch of hitchhikers, a whole bunch. I mean, like a, just a... Well, like layers of an onion, you know, just all demonized, all kinds of issues we came. And so we know a lot about deliverance because we walked through a lot of deliverance ourselves in those early days and then and seemed to have a, a, an anointing for an, an anointing, meaning a, 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 a mantle, a, a, a gifting specifically for deliverance. In fact, the first thing that God put on me more than a prophetic mantle or any of that was a gift of you know, setting the captives free, man. I just if you if you had a if you had a drug drug problem, they'd bring me all the drug addicts. They just bring you got a drug problem. Hey, I'll bring in a pastor down here. I was when I was on a larger staff than uh, than here in a different role, and so they would bring. Oh, bring me to pastor down. You got drug problem? You see him. 
They'd come to me like, I got a drug problem. I'm like, really? And I could tell them what it is. I could, I could smell it. I mean, like, lift your hand. I'd break that thing like a toothpick off of them by the power of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because God broke it off of me. And, and all those demon spirits we used to be my best friends, but they were no friends at all. And so I've got a gift of discernment. You know, do, you know, one of the things that never, very rarely happens here, but happens in a lot of churches around the valley and in the state, in fact, all over the, all over the nation, is that drug addicts hit up churches to come get money. You know why that never happens, almost never happens here? Because we've already been marked, unlike the, the map of the Spirit. Don't go there, because that guy will punch me in the, in the throat. That guy, that, that, he'll deal with the demon that's on. So they just don't usually come here. And when they do, we try to get them set free. They don't come to borrow money from us, because we didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. And we, there's a discernment, not just on me, Pastor Vince. You, you, know, you don't, you don't want to pull the wool over his eyes. You, you, they're, they're, my whole staff has got a gift to discernment. So... Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, thanks. So I taught this deliverance class today, and it was great for about 45 minutes. And I was reminded of a story, and some of you might have heard it before, but it was a story. It's a story about power to set the captives free. And my friend Jason Adair went to a South American country and went to go bring the gospel there with the team. And they said, okay, we're going to spread the gospel all over here. And, he's, and he just felt led to be like, what is this city here? And, I, and I've forgotten exactly where this was in South America, but we could call and find out. And uh, they said, oh, yeah, no, we can't go there. Well, why not? Because every missionary team that goes there, we bring there, they all get damaged, hurt, wounded. You know, we can't go there. That's not, he says, oh, no, that's exactly where we want to go. And said, no, 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 you don't understand. There's a lady outside the city on the road that comes into the city. She's chained to a mango tree, and she's demonized, and uh, she takes mangoes, and she has the most demonic laser accuracy with mangoes, and she hurts people. She throws mangoes. This is true. It's a true story. And he said, no, no, we're going there. And so they fasted, and they prayed, and, and he talked them into going, and so they, they went. And as they're coming into the city, they're walking in on the road, and all of a sudden, a mango is thrown at like 100 miles an hour and hits one of the guides in the thigh and knocks him down. And he screamed, oh, my leg. And so everybody's all, everybody just goes off in tongues. You know what I mean? They're, they're just like, it's time for emergency prayer language. It's amazing when you believe in tongues when you need it. They instantly, hey, I'm, I'm filled. <laughs> Either that or you're the one that got hit by the mango. So, so another, and this lady would jump off the ground. This is the, this is a story and, and grab mangoes out of the sky. I mean, like serious hops, big vertical, grab mangoes, land and, and burn them at people and hit people with laser accuracy. So the, the one person is down, hit in the leg, you know, hollering. And everybody seen a mango? You know what a mango looks like? Okay. So I'm not talking about like a soft gooey mango. I'm talking about like an unripened mango. Okay. A green mango, full of the spirit, full of the power, full of the what? The power. Jason Adair, my friend, we'll have to have him come back. He hasn't been here in years. Runs full sprint towards this lady, praying in an unknown language. And as he comes towards her, her eyes get bigger, and he, along with, and I don't know if it was Mandy, I forget the whole story, that's his wife, but they show up, and they break the devil off of this lady on the spot. She hits the ground, and they're like praying in the spirit, taking authority over this demon. They break this demon off this lady, and she comes back to her right mind. They lead her to Jesus, and she can't stop crying. 
when she's able to stop crying, she tells them the story of what happened. And the reason she was chained to a mango tree is because the religious people, it reminds me of the, of the Bible, the man in Gadara. They, they, he would break the chains and they couldn't bind him, so they put him in a tombs, put him in the, in the, in the graveyard. That's what a religion, that's what religion, powerless Christianity will do. It, I'm going to just tell you, that's what it'll do. It'll shy away from obstacles, shy away. It'll close the door. It'll back away. It'll be like, oh, no. I, oh, I might get myself in trouble right now. Statesman, statesman, statesman. Thanks, Pastor Karen. I can hear you praying right now. I did not come into this church all those years ago and get set free because somebody gave me a good latte. I'm not sure what a latte is, but a latte. I thank God for our coffee shop. I thank God they just can really pull amazing shots of espresso. But it wasn't shots of espresso that got me free from demonic bondage. And it won't be a coffee or a latte or a latte or anything else that you can fabricate that's outside of God's Word that's going to set your neighbor free, set your mama free, set your brother free, set you free. People will continue, listen to me, people will continue to smoke meth and shoot drugs until they find something bigger than meth. And I'm telling you, there's something bigger than meth. It's the power of the resurrection. It's the power of God. And it needs to be put on display through you, through you. It's not enough for me to be filled with the Spirit, and I am. It's not enough for my staff to be filled with the Spirit, and they are. There is an unction of the power of God that will rest upon you to minister to people he puts in front of you. But some of you are you're nervous or you're scared. I don't want you running around like a loon. That's a type of bird. They're kind of crazy. But you need power. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. I need power. You need power. You say, I have it. Good. You know that someone has the power of God by the fruit in their life. Don't tell me you got power and you curse like a sailor. No offense to the Navy here. Don't tell me you got power and, and then you're, you're smoked up, drunk up, jacked up, toe up from the flow up. Don't tell me you got power and you're still addicted, afflicted, depressed. Don't tell me you don't, don't, don't tell me that. I don't care if you pray in tongues. You still got all that? You need, you need something else. Let's go to Acts 2. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Go to Acts chapter 8 and verse 14. Acts 8, verse 14. If you're all there, say amen. Acts chapter 8 and verse 14. Now when the apostles were at, were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent Peter and John to them, verse 15, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Stop. Leave the scripture up. What is up with that? Because if you go back earlier in Acts 8, you see that, that, that Philip the evangelist preached 
Jesus Christ crucified. He preached the gospel of the kingdom and they're healed. People are healed. And, and there's signs and wonders. And it even says that demons went out with a shriek. Shrieks. You ever heard that? I thought, I'm, did I just hear one? <laughs> and when they heard that they, they came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is something different than demons shrieking, something different than evangelism, something different they came. Go on to Acts chapter 9. Oh, I'm sorry, we should finish that. Verse 16, go to verse 16 and 17. Acts 8, verse 16, for as yet he. Notice that it says he. That's capitalized, and that's right. That's translated right. He. The Holy Spirit is a he. It's not a dove. The Holy Spirit's not a dove. Like a dove, the Holy Spirit, he, he's God. He's, you can't lie to a soap dish, but you can lie to a person. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. They, you, how, how you had in your heart that you would lie to God. Satan's deceived you to lie to God. He, when he had, uh, pardon me, for as of yet he had not fallen on any one of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, verse 17. Then they laid their hands on them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Let's go to verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered the money. Stop. Simon is a guy who was a sorcerer, such an incredible sorcerer, demonic power, that people actually thought that he was God, that he had the power of God flowing through him so amazingly that they thought that he was God. But when Simon saw, and you go very earlier back in Acts 8, when, saw, when he saw the signs and the wonders and miracles, Simon believed, and he hung out with the evangelist, and it says, and he was baptized. He fulfilled the criteria for most board members. I'm just going to let that sink in a second. So he believes in Jesus. He's in fellowship with the evangelists. And he's baptized. That would be a criteria in many churches for being able to be on a board. And that's why many churches in America are jacked. They're, 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 they're board-possessed or deacon-possessed. I'm not saying every church. I'm just saying that that is a... Are you down on church? I love the body of Christ, but you can't put demonized, bound people in places of position that are not set free. They're not delivered. He had a power problem, and he thought his witchcraft would still work. He's still trying to use money to control God. It's, it's witchcraft. It's the same thing. And that's why they said, Ha! Ah, may your money perish with you. And they rebuked him. He was bound. Everybody say that he was bound. Look at Acts 9. That's just a little sermonette in the middle of it all. Acts 9, verse 17, Ananias went his way. All right. And that's the text we just preached on recently. I think that was Sunday night. And uh, you can go take a look at that. Wow. And um, they, they lied to the Holy Spirit. Ananias went his way, entered the house. Oh, pardon me. I'm so sorry. Just making sure you guys are paying attention. You all there? <laughs> okay, you don't think that's nearly as funny as I do. And, and Ananias went his way and entered the house. This is Ananias, and, and, and um, there's probably a different spelling, and if you want to know how to spell it, talk to Pastor Karen. Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the 
Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once and arose and was baptized. Acts chapter 10, we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, about being spirit-filled. It is different than just being born again. And Acts 10, while Peter was still speaking these words, verse 44, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard, verse 45, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them. This is, this is Peter talking about it. As he fell on us at the beginning, verse 16, then I remembered the word of the Lord and how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Go to Acts 19. Verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. So now this is, it's being written. So understand, when it says finding some disciples, what does Paul think? He thinks he runs into some people that are believers, that believed in Jesus. They're born-again believers. Well, I don't know. That's what he thinks. That's why it says disciples. And the first question he asked them, and somebody asked me this recently, is it okay if I ask somebody if they're filled with the Spirit the second I come meet them, if they're from some other church? I said, yeah, I guess. It's, you know, careful, you know. <laughs> don't want to go around hurting people, but, but, but this is what Paul did. So where are you from? Hey, did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, when you believed? And they said, we've not so much as heard whether there was a Holy Spirit. He said, what? And he said, then, then what were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people they should believe on him who would come after him, that is Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 in all, which is really pretty cool. Wow. All right, how, how, do, you, how do you get the power? Well, I'm glad you asked. You're going to write notes down. Let me give you five or six things here. Six. Number one, obey. Obey. Live for God. Love God. Obey his word. Live for God. Obey. Everybody say obey. obey. The second thing, if you're taking notes, number two, have expectancy. Be convinced. There's a lot. When you, if you have a theological blockage about receiving the, the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you have a theological blockage, you will never let your guard down. I've seen it over and over. Sin can be a blockage, Right? Sin can be blockage. A theological problem. So in other words, wait a second, because my grandmother told me that tongues were from the devil. And so 
I am never going to pray in tongues because, man, she's passed, God rest her soul, but but I'm never going to pray in tongues because tongues of the devil. Grandma told me she was a godly woman. She prayed. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be saved. My grandmother told me. Well, God rest and God bless your grandmother. She was incorrect theologically. Has anybody else ever been wrong? Paul was very sincere and very off about the way in the beginning until God revealed himself. You can't move beyond the revelation that you have. So grandma, she might not have known. I mean, God bless her. Or maybe you heard you. Well, the first church I went to, was, it was the church of the first Zion, uh, born again, love Jesus, win the city church. And uh, we never heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I, I just don't believe that. Or again, oh, tongues are from the devil. Now, I don't, I don't know, you know, not everybody here could say this, but I don't ever remember drinking a fifth of Jack Daniels and praying in tongues. Raise your hand and have a praise break. You say, are there devil tongues? Absolutely. I love this story of years ago. It was talking about the power of the Holy Spirit with another pastor who didn't believe in a way that we do and we were going through scripture and and we came to we came to some agreement and I'd, I'd like to think that maybe scales from his eyes fell off and I saw the what he was believing and made some sense but but in the end he believed oh yeah no I, okay I see it and he was hung up on the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit being tongues and so we went back and forth a number of years later, he had gotten filled with the Holy Spirit with, with, with the gift of tongues, praying in tongues. And he said to a friend of mine who does this frequently when he meets somebody who says they're, they pray in tongues but won't, you know, or that's a quiet thing. And, and there's, a, there's a whole, you can look at 1 Corinthians 14. I've taught it before. Tongue, I guess I need to go there. But let me finish my story, and then I'll go there. Remind me, Pastor Karen, tongues, 1 Corinthians 14 private tongues, public tongues, because I can feel that. So we'll deal with it in a second. It's 845. Lift your hands to heaven. Come on. It's still light out. Amen. So in talking, he met, he met my friend, Dr. Michael Gannon. And so they, they said, oh, oh, we have a mutual friend. That guy, Pastor Daniel, <laughs> that crazy bald guy. Yeah. Yeah, we got this discussion about tongues. He said, yeah, but now I believe. I pray in tongues. And Dr. Gannon has done this to many people. He said, oh, you pray in tongues? He says, yeah. He says, let me hear them. He says, what do you mean? Well, let, let, me, let me hear your tongues. I'm not doing, I'm not telling you what my tongues are. And it just kind of went back and forth. And it comes from 1 Corinthians 14. I've preached whole messages on it, so I'm just going to tap it. If you want to hear it, the whole thing, you need, because if you don't solve this, and when I say pray in the Spirit, You'll never pray in the Spirit because you think it needs to be interpreted. Tongue, there's tongues with interpretation, which is the same thing as? Exactly right. As what? Prophecy. Tongues with interpretation. But then there's tongues. Pray in your most holy faith or praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude talks about that. I'll pray in the Spirit. I'll pray with my understanding. Paul talks about that. There is a prayer language that God will give you, the mysteries of God praying through you. Ephesians talks about it. You need to be filled with the Spirit so you can, so God's Spirit can pray through you. That doesn't need to be interpreted. That's your prayer language. So when you hear us here at King's, 
which I think we might be the only church in the valley. I might be mistaken. And I've had people say, well, I'm not going to that church. You're a bunch of tongue talkers. Unashamed. Gonna pray in tongues. I had to pray. I had to. I mean, I like really, like had to is probably the right word today. I just ran into a wall. And I'm thinking, man, I couldn't find my way through in my mind. Well, I'm not all that bright. Some of you are smarter than you know. Others, if you think you're smart and you're dumber than a box of rocks, I just know that I need God. You can be educated beyond your intellect. How many of you know, just because you have a bunch of degrees, more degrees than a thermometer doesn't mean that necessarily you've got the wisdom of God. How many of you know that? And so I just came to like, oh man, I, I, I just don't know. And so at that point, I just started praying in the Spirit, which is exactly what that beautiful gift is for. I prayed in the Spirit. And I began to feel something turn, turn, and then I got distracted, and and then I found myself confounded again. I began to pray in the Spirit again. It was just a day of warfare today. Anybody else go through a day of warfare today? Thank God for the gift of, of tongues, of, of the Holy Spirit. Ontologically, which is a study of spiritual spatial realities, your, whole, your spirit is not the same as the Holy Spirit, but economically they work as one. So you are not the Holy Spirit, but he does come and dwell on the inside of you. When you get baptized, baptismo is to be fully submersed within and without him coming upon you, being pickled. The cucumber in a vat of solution, the solution works through the whole cucumber and changes the cuke to a pickle. That's the picture of baptism. Did you get that? So it's the Holy Spirit coming on you, Holy Spirit living in you. I can tell you endless stories about Pastor Karen and how, how God used you to pray on that turn that's now called soup and sandwich all those years ago, riding a bicycle down a volcano. I was a tour guide on a chrome bicycle leading 14 people down a volcano. That was the first pastoral job I had, trying to get people out of the valley of the shadow of death to the glorious oceans of faith from 10,023 feet all the way to sea level and under 40 road miles. And I can tell you lots of stories and I had to preach to them and talk to them and get them safely down. No matter how demented they rode a bike, we had to help them. It's just pastoring. It's exactly the job of a pastor. <laughs> I'm riding on this turn, and you ride basically backwards, side saddle, looking backwards at your people, making sure they're okay in the lack of oxygen. And this one lady who was right behind me, her eyes just went big, and we had to go through this turn, and all for this turn was just this, you know, lava rock and, you know, death. And so I'm telling her, hey, you got to slow down now, and she's just... I said, slow down now, hit your brakes, hit your brakes. Now I look back and I'm coming into the turn. I've got to hit my brakes. I'm screaming at her, hit your brakes. Hit, she was just gone. I stay on the course yelling at her as long as I can and my bike goes off the road. And as I'm crashing, I'm going to get seriously impaled. Like, there's no, I, I can't describe it to you because there's no way you could understand sharp lava rocks and what it does to you at 25 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour. I'm crashing, I turn, I'm going over and all of a sudden, instantly, my bike is back on the road. I mean like miraculously out of the lava, onto the road and stops. And I got off, I was like, whoa. Meanwhile, that's not what happened to her. And I won't get all gruesome, but she died. And I'll never forget 
I'll never forget her. It taught me, God, God taught me about marriage. I saw they've been married. This couple had been married for 50-something 50, 50 years. They insisted on being a bike, and I probably, I probably shouldn't have let them, but God knows. And he's, he's kneeling by weeping. His wife is, is not breathing. We can't perform CPR because she was damaged beyond the place of being able to figure out how that you could do that. And that's, that's it. And he, he's, he's picking up her teeth and he's weeping and I'm just like, this is impossible. I said, God, God, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. And she just goes, and she just comes back to life. And she's like, oh, what happened? And I, I don't even know what to tell her. And her husband says, oh, sweetheart, you crashed really bad. She says, oh, my mouth feels funny. He says, yes, yes, don't touch your mouth. He says, am I okay? He says, well, let me put it this way. You're going to be eating soup and sandwich for a really long time. I thought, I said, don't, don't say that. They name, renamed the corner soup and sandwich. She got to the hospital. and Do you know that I was not impaled because you were praying in the Spirit? I, and we, we matched the time and figured out when I came back down, I was crying, I was so traumatized by it. And, and she said, oh, my gosh, tell your, tell your side of the story. You were, you were on your way to work. What happened? Right. So I was on my way to work, and I just was about to leave my house, and I felt so overcome by the Holy Spirit, that just serious, serious, uh, well, I call them the deep weepies, like it's travail. And I went back into my house and I had to make a choice because if I didn't leave for work, right, I had to walk. That was before we were married. And if I didn't leave, then I wasn't going to get to work on time. It took me a half hour to walk. And so I stayed home. I chose to stay, chose to stay home and I, I couldn't help it. The Spirit of God came on me. I just began to pray on my face in the Holy Ghost I don't know, half an hour, at least a half an hour. And uh, anyway, um, then I went to work. Some person from church, yeah, I got there like right on, at 1030. And uh, anyway, you called me and told me, and then we matched the times. We matched the exact time that she had her intercession was the exact time I took off on my bike and all of her prayers were what actually I know, I know that it brought me back on the road. I'm going to tell you there's mysteries and the power. Everybody say power. You need power in your family. And somebody said, you know that right. I need some power. My, you need power in your life. But it's available for you. God is not, you know, taking, he's not taking the, the, the chocolate macadamia nut cookies and put them up on the upper shelf. And that's only for like people that go through seminary or cemetery or whatever you want to call it. And they go there and they get to get to have the cookies. And if anybody ever told you, oh, that's just for people in a minute, that's a lie. The power of God is for every single believer so that we can walk in power dimension to see the blind, to have eyes, to see the deaf, to hear, the lame, to walk, to the power of God to behold witness, to be a witness, to be a witness. I got the power. I don't know what any of those other lyrics say. So I'm not endorsing them, but everybody say obey. Have an expectancy. Expect God to fill you with power. 
Expectancy is a seedbed for miracles, ladies and gentlemen. Expect, expect God to come. Expect God to touch you. Expect God to talk to you. Expect God to give you revelation. It's faith. Faith has expectancy. It's an aspect of faith. See, praise God. Everybody say praise God. Come on, lift your hands and praise him. Praise God. Number four, number four, have someone lay hands on you and not just anyone because I don't know where some of your hands have been. Have someone who's full of the Spirit, walking in power, living a holy, godly life, lay hands on you and pray for you. Because why? Because you need power. Now, I, I'm, I'm mindful that maybe half or three quarters or maybe seven-eighths of the church is baptized in the Holy Spirit with the gift of evidence of praying in tongues. So I'm not talking to you. But some of you have, some of you have been lulled to sleep by your circumstances and you need to stir yourself up. But some of you don't have power. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad for a message like this. I answered altar calls like I'm about to give. Why? Because I realized after I got knocked out three rows back that I didn't have it, but he did, and he wanted to give it to me. I've never been the same. You know, there, there's a whole vein of thought that says, you know, you, you don't want to be a weird church. And, and you should just, just tone it down. I do think we should be, what did, what did that brother use? Attractional. But we are not, a, listen, we're not a seeker-friendly church. What do you mean by that? I don't want to make you uncomfortable. But most of all, I don't want to make the Holy Spirit uncomfortable. But at the same time, I don't want to use that as an excuse for being a nut job. You understand? And one of the things I love about our church is that it's grounded in the word. There, you're going to hear the word. It's going to get. You're going to get taught the word. And then there's a shandai, the power of the Holy Spirit. And honestly, I think we just have a drip. There's so much more. So much. There's so much more in God. And if you think you've arrived and you've got pride, you need to repent and get hungry and go after more. There, there, no man has reached up to receive. The Scripture says all that he has to offer. Come on, I want everything he has for me. There's a level of anointing and power that, that you can walk in that you're not walking in. Somebody says, well, that's not fair. No, he, he, he'll touch you in direct proportion to the hunger that you have. And, and he's also a good steward. So if, if whatever anointing and unction you have, you're not using it to be a witness but you're wanting more? That's like you need to finish what's on your plate like your mama told you. You finish what's on your plate and you can have seconds if you're still hungry. So some of you, you know, you... Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm sitting there picking on those of you who have not finished your plate. And the Lord is like, yeah, well, what about you? Well, I know, I know exactly what he means because there's place, there's times when, there's times in my walk with the Lord. In fact, I'm in that moment right now. There's times in my walk with the Lord where he says, come up here. 
and, and deal with that, deal with that, deal with that, deal with that. Come here, son. Come on. And it's like everything just seems to yell louder. I, I, I just have so many. I feel like that guy on Johnny Carson with spinning, spinning plates. Do you know that guy? And you just run all over. He's got 15 plates spinning. And he looks like a chicken with his head cut off trying to spin the plates. Does anybody else? Am I the only one that feels that way sometimes? The plates are going to have to spin on their own over the next couple days because he's calling me to go up higher. He's calling you to go up higher. He's calling, get, get hungry, obey. Come on, someone say obey. Number two, have expectancy. Number three, praise God. Number four, have hands laid on you. Number five, the whole, let, the Holy, let the Holy Spirit speak through you in tongues. I don't know why it is for me. I sort of have to get, I get cornered and then I realize, oh wait, my natural giftings isn't going to bring me to the next place. Am I the only one? You guys should be looking at a cow at a new gate or something. You guys are right. Let the Holy Spirit speak through you in tongues. I have endless stories of tongues and tearing down high places in our nation different places that I can't disclose. I've prayed in Hawaiian before. I know it. I know I did. How do you know? It sounded like Hawaiian. I didn't have a linguist to tell me. I, there's, a, there's a gifts of the Spirit and different languages that God give you. Let the Holy Spirit. And I remember first not wanting to open my mouth. Like if I was going to fill me with the Spirit and I was going to pray in tongues. Go ahead. You know, if you're going to say something, you have to open your mouth and say it. All right. Lastly, go into all the world. God wants to fill you full of power. Why? So that you could be his witnesses. So that you could be clothed with power to put God on display so that you could share the glorious news of Jesus. Can you say amen? Minister Micah, would you lead us in some whatever you like, heavenly music? And we're going to worship for a moment. And I want to say this before I give the invitation. When you're really hungry, you really don't care what people think about you. It's a beautiful liberation when you realize that what God has, man can't give you. You ever heard of the uh, Azusa Street Revival? There was a man that came from North Carolina to the Azusa Street Revival, and he went in those, the, the, they had these prayer meetings above the church, and then they would go down and have church, and like it would never end. And he went to those prayer meetings, and the Lord spoke to him and said, have William Seymour lay hands on you. And he said this. So he was a white man, and he said, I'm not going to have any black man lay hands on me. So he sat there for two weeks, as the story goes. God dealt with his racist self and said, you will never have power unless you obey me. Have him lay hands on you. He repented. He went and talked to William Seymour. How many know who William Seymour was? And he repented to William Seymour. William forgave him. He repented of his racism. He had hands laid on him. He got gloriously filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, went back to North Carolina and planted churches all over North Carolina that are still there today. You can go read some of the history of this stuff. You, you, can, you can shut down the power of the Holy Ghost. You can hinder through theology, through poor theology, through sin. 
through racism, his sin, you can hinder the move of the Spirit. All right, stand up on your feet all across this place. So, first, if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, won't you do it now? You say, that's me, Pastor Daniel, praise God. Online, those here in the parking lot, on all of our platforms. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's the first thing. Wonderful. Pray with me right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.